Oh, hey there. This is the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast, and I'm your host, Chris Desmond. Now, if you're new to the podcast, I'll give you the lowdown. Every week, I have chats with interesting individuals about cool stuff that they're doing. I get to find out about that interesting stuff, but more importantly, I get inspired to get out of my comfort zone from them. The conversations tend to focus on the challenges that the guests have had to overcome to actually do this cool stuff, or on ideas or experiences that we as a society may find a little bit uncomfortable to talk about. This week, I have the privilege of sitting down for a chat with Rosie Morrison. Uh, Rosie was introduced to me through her brother Nick, who appeared back in episode 19. Um, And if you haven't taken the time yet to uh, check that one out, make sure uh, you do. Nick, is uh, he's got great chat. Now this conversation that I have with Rosie hits a variety of experiences. Um, At its heart, it's a conversation about following your curiosity, exploring the world and yourself, trying new things, and just bloody doing it. So Rosie shares with us some fascinating stories about getting robbed in Mexico, uh, buying and selling combi vans in Central America, uh, figuring out her values sitting in a tent by herself for three days in the Marlborough Sounds, uh, and about why office plants need a good sponging. So I've written a few pages of notes and takeaway points from this conversation that I had with Rosie. I hope you get some good gems too. Um, And if you want a copy of the notes that I've taken, uh, reach out to me on the Facebook page or flick me an email at uncomfortableisokay at gmail.com. And thanks everyone for taking the time to get uncomfortable with me and Rosie today. That's a really uncomfortable start, actually. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> G'day, Rosie. Welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. How are you tonight? I'm going all good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me along. Oh, that's all right. It's a pleasure. And we should probably actually just let the listeners know what happened. <laughs> is that when I welcomed you just before, I called you Holly because we'd been talking about Holly just beforehand. So, Holly, if you're yeah. listening to this, hey. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Holly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm starting off on the uncomfortable foot tonight, which is, well, it's kind of normal, actually. I always get a little bit nervous when I'm talking to people on the podcast, which still still happens after 30-odd episodes, which is quite, it's quite good. Yeah, that's normal, hey? I think so, yeah. Mm. I I don't know if it's something that I'll ever be super comfortable with. Yeah. Um, but we're here to talk a little bit more about you rather than me. Um, <laughs> so Rosie, 
Can you give me and the listeners a little bit of background about yourself, kind of where you grew up, where you come from, and uh, maybe a brief timeline of where you've, uh, how things have gone up until now? Yeah, sure thing. I can do that for you. Um, so I was born in Timaru, little old Timaru, just south of Christchurch, and um, born at home, actually. Um, so I don't know if you heard my older brother on this podcast a few um, weeks or months ago. I'm not sure, Nick, but we all grew up there. I'm one of four kids. Um, so that was a pretty cool time growing up in Timaru. I really appreciate being from a small town, I think. It's given me a sense of... Um, I don't know, maybe acceptance of all kinds of odd characters you might find. <laughs> yeah, I really like that small town feel. Um, but anyway, by the time I was 13, I'd just had done one year at the high school there and my family decided to move to Christchurch. So um, that was a bit of a change because by that time all my siblings had left school, so I was the only one left at school. Um, and yeah, I had to move up to this sort of big city, you know, and start afresh and go into year 10 where... Everyone had kind of already made their little groups and kind of figured each other out um, from the first year of high school, and here was me, the new kid from Timaru. Um, so there were some really tricky times in that, but um, all in all, I'm really pleased to have moved to Christchurch now. If I think back um, on my teenage years, like it was, yeah, a lot more exciting in Christchurch and plenty of stuff happening. And the school I went to was awesome. Like I really, um, really look back at it with fond memories. You know, um, they really encouraged us to kind of be kind of pretty spunky independent woman and um have a voice of our own and yeah so all in all the move um worked out well as you said kind of uncomfortable at the start works out all right in the end yeah yeah were there as many interesting characters in Christchurch as there were in Timaru uh yeah yeah for sure there were um but I suppose it was just that feeling of um, I don't know, being able to, you know, play cricket on the street in Timaru and walk around in your bare feet to go get fish and chips. And there's something about, I think, a small town that's um, hard to replicate in a bigger city. Maybe mm. only small town people would get that. But, um, yeah, and no, I'm really grateful for how my sort of younger years worked out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you can do that in a bigger city. Um, maybe not play cricket on the street. <laughs> it depends on which street. If you pick it, it'd be all right. You can yeah. go get fish and chips in your bare feet, but people kind of might look at you a little bit strangely as well, especially yeah, if it's maybe, the middle of winter. Yeah, so maybe I am looking at it with sort of rose-tinted glasses, but um, yeah, I don't know. I still know there's a really strong feeling in me, and especially my um, brothers, they're really pleased to have come from Timaru, and we'll still tell people now, you know, they're from Timaru. <laughs> they're not from Christchurch. They're from Timaru. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I know Nick's a, a, a proud Timorovian. Yeah, Is that the, the um the term for it? The term yeah. for it, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Make up what you want. <laughs> Sweet. Um so what happened after uh high school, Rosie? So after high school I moved down to Dunedin. Went and did the dirty Dunedin thing. Um it was kind of following in my siblings' footsteps. That's the awesome thing about being youngest of four. You just kind of see what everyone else did and <laughs> kind of see how it worked out okay and they all had a hell of a good time. So I decided to do that too um, and cruise on down to Dunedin and uh, enrolled in the university and I was at um, one of the halls for my first year and just, yeah, had an awesome time. You know, like it's pretty hard to have a bad time in a Dunedin hall when you're around all these new people who are all out of home for the first time. You know, there's parties every other night and it was, yeah, it was awesome. Not a healthy lifestyle, but um, very fun. And I was studying all kinds of stuff. I suppose I didn't go down with a real set 
goal in mind. I just went down knowing that I wanted to have the same good time that my siblings did. And so I ended up, you know, studying philosophy, psychology, anthropology, learned some Spanish, <laughs> philosophy, all sorts of random stuff. Just kind of literally flipped through the pamphlet and was like, sounds good, that sounds good, that one looks fun. <laughs> um, which I think was kind of to the amusement of maybe some of my peers at the host- at the um, at Arana. But, you know, like I've had like incredible support from my p- parents all the way through and they never raised an eyebrow really, just sort of said, you know, off you go, Rose, yeah, do what feels good, do what you think you'd enjoy, and we're behind you. So, um, yeah, incredibly grateful to have that support as well. Um, but after a year of uni, I kind of had that feeling of um, wasn't quite for me somehow, like the feeling of sitting in a lecture hall and kind of having someone talk to you, you know, like rather than talk with you, and just that feeling of being, yeah, I don't know, just one of lots of students. Um, just didn't sit quite right. So I decided to switch over to the Polytech and enrolled in a visual arts degree. So that was another three years in Dunedin and I majored in jewellery and metalsmithing. That was cool. And that was really awesome. That was like really hands-on, small classes, you know, we're in the workshop every day, talking to the teachers, you know, really casually, just called them by their first name. They were, um, and they were cool. They really pushed you to sort of make some crazy stuff you know they didn't want to see any little silver rings they wanted to make some nutty stuff and do some real crazy art so that was good for me I think it really fed that kind of creative part of me that I knew needed feeding you know does that make sense I suppose um yeah maybe creative people kind of get that so yeah I don't know if that was the right choice either it's hard to know if you've made the right choices hey but I'm certainly glad I addressed that um, that part of me because I think otherwise I would have, um, yeah, really, I don't know, still felt lacking in that somehow. Mm, mm. Yeah, and I, th- I mean, I think kind of from talking to people, there's often there's no real kind of right, in air quotes, uh, decision that you mm. make. It's, it's you make a decision and then it's kind of what you do afterwards that makes it either right or wrong or even yeah. wrong is probably a strong word with it as at times as well but had you had you always been creative growing up um yeah I guess I had it's kind of one of those tricky questions where yeah I, I suppose I have been really I mean like I could show, show you on Skype this is my room at the moment you'll have to explain to the listeners but that's like um <laughs> very creative floor it's an absolute crafty mess that's going on at the moment so I go through stages of like cleaning up my room. It'll be like totally 100% clean. And then the next minute it's like this and I'm doing some outrageous stuff. So, um, yes, I think in conclusion, I've always been a bit like this, cutting up magazines and drawing stuff and writing. And yeah, I don't know, something in that just, yeah, feeds something in my soul. So it feels good. So I'm going to keep doing it. Cool. Cool. Did you know that it always had fed something in your soul or is that kind of um, something as you've become more aware of it that uh, yeah, you've kind of noticed? I, yeah. I think it's when you're younger, you don't think about it in those terms, do you? You just want to do what feels good and what's fun and, you know, what makes you, what you feel like doing next, really. That's the joy of being a kid, right? And as I got a bit older and, yeah, did the course at Polytech, I suppose, um, yeah, so I just knew it. It, it felt really important to to address that part of myself and as I've got older I suppose I know that creativity is a huge part of my personality and a part of what 
makes me tick. So as soon as I feel that part um, dropping off and not being able to do enough, I start feeling a bit unbalanced, you know. So <laughs> that's really interesting. I think it's good to kind of really know that about yourself and know what you need and what your main sort of values are. Mm, yeah, definitely. Did that take you a while to kind of figure out what your main values were? <laughs> I can tell you exactly the moment I figured that out, actually. Oh, yeah. I was um, in a little um, makeshift tent that I'd put up in the middle of the sounds, and I was um, just about into the third night by myself because I was on a solo for Outward Bound, which is um, this awesome, awesome course. If you know, if you haven't been on it, I couldn't recommend it enough to anyone. Like, But it just... Uh, yeah, I can't say enough how much it um, added to my life, really. So here on this this tiny little, you know, like um, teepee-style tent that I'd put up and with a tiny little lunch bag of rations, they kind of set us some tasks and said, you know, while you're there, think about um, your kind of your main values, or your three main values and what you know to be true about yourself kind of thing. And so you had, you know, three days by yourself just sitting there suddenly really missing everyone, wondering what everyone's up to and all that space to think and be by yourself and especially be outside, I don't know, it was a really powerful moment and I just knew that um, three massive things for me was creativity, relationships and a sense of optimism or positivity was sort of what makes me tick and as soon as any one of those three sort of drop off a bit, I, um, as I said, yeah, I feel a bit unbalanced. So that was a pretty cool moment to have in the middle of the sounds. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I'm been kind of listening to people talk about the concepts of balance and um, been thinking about it a little bit as well and I think you make an interesting point with you have those three values there that are balanced for you Mm. but everyone else is going to have different values that they need to be working on and I mean some of some people it might be sort of work family sport yeah, exactly. Uh, and if they they drop off, um, then it's out of balance for them. But yeah, it, it's it's interesting that uh, there's obviously no kind of one single recipe for no. everybody with it, and you've kind of got to find your own path and uh, yeah, experiment and, with a few. And things. not to say those things kind of can't shift and change or be added to or subtracted. You know, like I think that's the the joy of it really you know once maybe a new value will come along someone new comes into your life a new job something exciting you can just add to that list you know I think it's just um I think it's just generally having the time to sit down and think about it no one really um stops to ask you what your values are these days so it's a real question you've just got to have for yourself Mm. and I think we're often quite guilty as well of not stopping to ask ourselves yeah, yeah. What our what our values are. I mean, we were yeah. talking before um, we started recording about growing up without computers, really, and yeah. without the internet. And yeah. while obviously computers and the internet have had massive impacts and massive positive impacts as well, I think probably it's well, I think it's probably taken away a little bit of time that we get to sit and reflect. Uh, and yep. ask ourselves questions as well. Honestly, because I've had this conversation so many times with a lot of friends and we still haven't figured out the answer. If um, the internet, you know, takes away from or adds to our creativity, you know, I just still mm. can't figure that out. Specifically, like, the creativity, but 
I can't figure that out. <laughs> you know, am I wasting time or is it giving me ideas because I can look out projects or, you know, am I spending too much time on there when I could be writing? I don't know. I haven't got the answer to that yet, but. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if anyone's figured that one out yet. And as yeah. you say, that answer's probably continuously evolving um, yeah. as as you are as a person. But I think, yeah, going and sitting in a tent and thinking for three days is, is yeah. probably a good way to uh, yeah, <laughs> to I'd... get clear on those values. Yeah. Cool. So, Rosie, actually, what happened between Polytech and you going on Outward Bound? Was there a um, bit of other stuff in there or you just jumped yes. straight into it? Yeah. So the Outward Bound course, that happened in my last um, year of Polytech, actually. I was, um, yeah, I was having a bit of a rough time at the end of the year and just feeling a bit lost about, um, you know, for all the good things about Polytech and doing that creative course, I felt a bit lost about what was going to happen after, you know, that feeling that how was I going to get a job, how was I ever going to pay my own way, like, you know, my parents are helping me so much financially and still do, and that kind of feeling of guilt that I want to be able to do things myself. Um, so, yeah, I guess I actually saw a competition for Outbound, and that's how I got a um, – I applied for it and got a scholarship to go on, actually. I remember, you know, sitting in this kind of studio by myself late at night. I'd just been told I'd done this, you know, huge essay wrong, <laughs> and so I had to redo that and send that in the next day. And, you know, I was going back to my sort of cold, dirty flat. Um, I was probably eating couscous for tea or something ridiculous. And just, um, yeah, this real moment of like, what am I doing? Like I need – I know I need to do something different and to kind of heal myself somehow because I'm not feeling good right now. So I did this big old – for my – a big old blurb for the scholarship. And, yeah, I heard back some weeks later that um, I was accepted and got to go on that. So that was kind of how that came about. But anyway, after that, I must have graduated from Polytech and then had a summer working in Wanaka, which was awesome, another sort of small town biking around and doing ridiculous jobs like, you know, cleaning a hotel and making the beds there by day and then being a waitress by night. Um, but with a whole heap of awesome people in this sort of 12-person flat, which is really ridiculous. And then after that, I um, flew to Mexico and then I travelled around for 10 months. So that was my big sort of OE and my big Central American um, experience, which was super, super cool. And I still look back on that with, you know, those travel blues when you look back at your photos and do anything to be sipping a Corona back on a Mexico beach. Why did you decide uh, Central America and Mexico? Um, I had a friend that was in Mexico. She's... um. Yeah, she's a bit like me and a good friend from uni. She's just kind of a surfer girl, really adventurous and really keen to get out and um, do things a bit differently. So she was actually over there. And for some reason, I just sort of said, oh, you know, like, I can come join you. What do you think about that? And um, that was it, decided. So I saved up some pennies and flew over there to meet her in Mexico City. Um, and about a week later, we bought a combi van <laughs> together. Um, after kind of an alarmed email from my bank being like, why are you withdrawing so much cash over in Mexico? <laughs> I had to be like, oh, it's okay, it's me, I'm buying a copy van, just let it out, thanks. Um, and so that was an also pretty ridiculous time. When I think back now, I'm kind of like, man, how did we How did we do that? You know, like spoke barely any Spanish. We, you know, like had to speak a lot of Spanglish to the locals, sort of chase this guy down who had this dirty old brown copy van that had a dollar sign on the back somehow bartered our way into a deal and then drove around Mexico for about another three weeks. 
um, you know, and it's got a massive big column shift. You're driving on the wrong side. You're around these crazy mountain roads that will just suddenly drop off into the middle of nowhere, picking up hitchhikers, all that sort of nut stuff. So at the time, it just kind of felt normal, really. We're like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> and now when I think about it, I'm like, holy crap, that was pretty brave. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's very brave actually to uh, go and go and do all of that stuff. But huh. um, again, I think if you sometimes if you just jump into it, these things kind of evolve naturally, and it just yeah, it feels normal in the moment. It totally does, and I love that feeling of being overseas. You can, you know, you can kind of be someone else really. No one's there to hold you back with what they know to be true about you. No, because no one knows you. You know, that's just a real. I don't know, a sense of freedom. So no one's there to tell you, oh, you shouldn't do that, that's crazy. It's just kind of like, man, we're going to buy a combi van and drive around because we can, you know, and let's try it out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Did you learn a bit about yourself while you were there as well, doing all of this interesting stuff and trying these things that if you'd tried them back in New Zealand, people would have just said you're crazy? Oh, yeah, totally. It's Yeah, travelling, I, I, um, um, you know, like, I'm conscious of not um, going on too much about it because I know there's lots of stuff about traveling, go traveling, everyone go traveling. But I think once you you have, it's such a uh, it's such a good feeling doing it that it's hard not to tell other people to do it. You know, you just want everyone to experience that feeling of yeah, freedom, of expansiveness, of of having no pressure. I think of no to do list. Um, no kind of, yeah, I don't know, just that feeling of like, oh, what have I got to do? I've got to feed the animals, water the garden, go to work tomorrow. You know, you just literally got none of that. It's just, where should I sleep tomorrow? <laughs> should I go for a swim today? What should I have for lunch? It's just such a nice um, time for your mind just to be like, Phew. you know, if you could imagine your mind as just someone just sitting back in a deck chair and just being like, oh, man, this feels good. <laughs> just hanging out for a bit. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I learned heaps about myself, for sure. You couldn't go for 10 months and, you know, if you came home after 10 months and hadn't learned anything new, I think that would be a bit odd. So, um, yeah, but I definitely had some um, pretty big failures over there, too. I don't know if you want me to talk about that yeah, yet Yeah, let's not. have a chat about them. What what did you fail at while you were there? Um, my family will laugh at this if they're listening. It's still a bit of a family joke, but I had a pretty big mess. So I was about a week, if that, or maybe like, two weeks even, into my travel of 10 months' time. And uh, we had the combi van. We, Me and my friends, I was with three other friends at the time. And we were, you know, parked up the combi van, had all our bags in there. We were like, sweet, let's go um, let's go and cruise around the markets. There's this cool market on. Apparently there's a famous cheese and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so we scooted off into the market, trying on jandals, buying cheese, blah, blah, blah. Came back to the combi van and my friend was suddenly like, oh, hold on a second, how many bags were in here? <laughs> and looked in and two out of four of our backpacks had been stolen. So mine was one of them and in that bag was everything I had on my travels, both my passports, all my cards, <laughs> everything. I had literally what I was wearing, which is like my little Mexican dress, my handbag with my cell phone in it and about four pesos, which is like four cents. <laughs> so I just kind of had this moment of being like, oh, shit. This is not so good. Not what I was expecting. Uh, so, yeah, we suddenly had, you know, all these cops around us and it's getting late and we're standing on this cobbled street just kind of like, far out, we don't know what to do. Is there any cameras around? You know, does anyone see what happened? But you're just not going to get anywhere in Mexico kind of with law enforcement, I can tell you that. They um, they tried to be helpful, but 
I remember looking over at one guy trying to, to explain to him in Spanglish what had happened. He was just writing with a pencil kind of on the back of some <laughs> bad paper. And I was like, oh, man, I just know that stuff's not coming back to me anytime soon. Um, so, yeah, that was a pretty massive fail. Yeah, yeah. How did you get out of that one? Um, so I always think back on that moment and I'm like, man, I don't know what I would have done if I was by myself. You know, I was so super lucky that I was with my friends. Um, so they, we stayed in the city, that city for the night. We booked into a hostel. We stayed there for a few nights, you know, and they just paid for everything for me because I obviously had nothing. Um, and then I'd, I'd rung my mum too pretty quickly after on Viber. She was pretty awesome under pressure because I rang her up. I remember saying, mum, my bag's been stolen, you know, I've lost everything. And she was just kind of like, right, okay. <laughs> you know, straight into mum's survival mode. What do we need to do next? Um, and so, you know, she managed to wire some money to my friend who could then get some cash out. But it got pretty hairy because um, here I was in Mexico, no passports, a set amount of cash. Two of my friends, you know, then left. They had flights to catch. So here I was left, just me and the other guy who had had his bag stolen. And then I had to sell this bloody coffee van that we bought. <laughs> so the story kind of like sounds pretty cool at the start, but it was a pretty tough ending. I, um, I yeah, we drove back to Mexico City and oh, the story, it still amazes me that I did it, but I was driving around Mexico City by myself for a lot of it, going to these car yards, trying to sell this bloody coffee van that had become such a hassle all of a sudden um, and just randomly chanced upon these people in a restaurant. I went in and said, you know, can I use your Wi-Fi? I'm trying to find this car yard, all in broken Spanglish. And they were kind of like, you know, what are you doing going to that car yard? You're a single girl by yourself, foreigner, like that's mental, like, <laughs> you'll get murdered, don't do that, and I was like, oh, well, lucky I met you guys, thanks, well, what should I do, and they were like, oh, man, come back to our house with, you know, the dad knows cars, he'll help you sell it, blah, 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 so incredibly lucky that I met them, and, you know, like, the kindness of strangers is insane, right, like, they didn't owe anything to me, I, they could have just let me go and been like, good luck to you, but they helped me for probably another week to um, sell this bloody combi van, and finally, um, we found a buyer and, you know, from back and forth and I was kind of skipping a few meals, just eating peanuts at the bar because I couldn't afford to eat, you know, I had to um, to pay for this hostel for a set amount of time and I only had a set amount of cash and, yeah, the whole time was um, pretty stressful. But I suppose when I look back on that now, I just think of that family, you know, like they lived in a pretty poor part of town and wouldn't let me sort of wander around by myself and <clears throat> I don't know, to think that they would go out of their way like that to help me it was yeah a real special feeling um we gave them you know some a cut of the money at the end to say thank you and one of the new zealand flags and they just couldn't have been happier you know they were really really lovely people so that's kind of a big lesson learned in mexico i can tell you yeah yeah that's a pretty amazing story um especially kind of right at the right at the start of the trip as well uh, i so, know right Obviously, things kind of panned out okay for you, though. You uh, you managed to get another passport and uh, get a little bit, uh, oh, get some access to your funds again. Yeah, exactly. So I actually, mum came up with a great idea because I didn't want to come home to New Zealand as well either. You know, I felt really ashamed that here I was off on my big adventure. Oh, you know, a couple of weeks in, I'm home again. So actually, she came up with this idea that I'd go to the UK and be with my sister just for like in a, a month or so and just kind of yeah buy everything that I'd lost and kind of regain some self-confidence and um 
Yeah, because and I remember shopping and going to the shop in London, and you know, having to, I literally had what I was wearing, and I remember looking around at all these people and just like being like, "You guys don't need to be here. I'm sure you've got huge wardrobes to take home. Like, I really need this stuff. I've literally got what I'm wearing and a spare clothes from my sister's back home. That's it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So anyway, I sort of recharged um, with her for a month and then flew back to Colombia, um, South America, because we had a family sort of wedding to go to there. So I was a bit more onto it that time and um, had better luck <laughs> until I came home sort of, yeah, eight months later. Yeah. You mentioned um, confidence before, and obviously that experience would have knocked your confidence a little bit. How did how did you build that back up when you went back to South America? Uh, yeah, good question. I suppose... Um, it's funny because I think a little part of me always knew as well, like, you know, I'd have some sort of situation when I went over because I guess I'm a pretty maybe classic New Zealand kid, I don't know, but, you know, a bit naive, like heading out in your first big adventure and, you know, who leaves two passports and then, you know, van on the streets, it's insane. So um, I suppose I just, you know, and once again, people were so supportive. My family would never braided me for it. They just all thought it was a great joke. You know, here I turned up in London with one tiny backpack. Even the, you know, people were like to me at the airport, is that all you're taking? I was like, don't mention it, guys. Um, <laughs> I suppose, yeah, I don't know. And being with my sister really helps, you know. It's like kind of needing to be around my family and someone just to feed me and love me and just kind of support me. So, um, and I suppose it really taught me to... Uh, you know, I, I still want to trust people. I hate that feeling of, like, distrusting everyone you meet in a foreign country, but just kind of to be aware of it, you know, just to wear a money belt and um, not leave your passports lying around. And, yeah, I don't know. I pretty quickly build up my trust in the good of the people again because, you know, most people are great. <laughs> I think that's what I learned mostly on my travels that, yeah, there's a real few bad eggs, but it takes quite a bit of energy to be a bad person, you know, like plan a robbery get away with it, <laughs> be a real nasty person, and being like a happy-go-lucky, easy-going person is way easier. So I think most people are good people was mostly what I learned. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely a lesson that stayed with me for sure. <laughs> I don't want to just let it um, be nothing. Yeah, cool, cool. That could be a good title for the podcast, actually. Most people are good people. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Yeah. Um, Advice. <laughs> So Rosie, you eventually got back to New Zealand. Um, what what happened after that? So I got back to New Zealand um, and had that classic thing of returning back, absolutely no money. You know, no one comes home with money from travelling, right? You sort of over there, you're like, oh yeah, I'll have another beer because I'm going home soon, so I don't need money in the bank. Um, and kind of turned back up at mum and dad's and they looked after me again. Um, and then I actually tried out living in big city Auckland. I had a few really good friends that were going up there. Um, and we, yeah, had an awesome flat. So I probably lived up there for maybe it was about nine months or so. Um, and just trying to try it out the big city. Just wanted to see what it was like and what all the fuss was about. Um, and a lot of it I really enjoyed. Like, part of me, I worked... Um, some pretty ridiculous jobs like um i had this one job for about a week that was like a plant cleaner, plant <laughs> Which, cleaner. Yeah. so my friends still tease me about this so much mostly because the uniform was so horrible but it involved me going into you know like offices and like um banks and stuff and they have all those plants there that are in the corner and you just never think about people where they have to water those and sponge them but 
you know, there's people that do that. How <laughs> Next time, dirty you know, do, do plants think, get? Yeah, well, it's more about just kind of like making them think that they're outside and in a rainforest, you know, yeah, rather than yeah. a dry old air-conditioned bank. So that was a pretty ridiculous job. Um, and as I say, I only kept that for a couple of weeks and then just had a meltdown and was like, I can't do it anymore. And my friends called me um, <laughs> sponge plant square pants after that because <laughs> I was so bad. And they still find it really hilarious, but it's good that we can all laugh about it now. Um, but as I say, next time you see those people in your office, definitely say thank you to them because it's just not that fun of a job. <laughs> um and from there, where did I move? So still in Auckland, swapped jobs to become more of an actual gardener this time. And um, that was working for this cool wee business um, and run by a woman who's probably the best boss I've ever had, I think. She was just amazing um, and really valued me and told me she valued me and um, put a lot of confidence and trust in me. So I really, really enjoyed that. You know, I was driving around a big horse float with all the tools in it and being outside and I've kind of always done a bit of gardening, so that was a really cool way to um, build that knowledge up and, yeah, just had some experience of the Auckland flora. Um, and at the same time, I also worked in a bar by the by nighttime, so kind of digging in the dirt by day and pouring craft beers by night. It was a pretty busy schedule and fitting in some partying and some Auckland nightlife, so it was cool. It was a really cool time. Yeah, and you've made your way back down to Christchurch now. Yeah, too right. So yeah. I, um, as I said, like Auckland was cool, but there was parts of it that I knew just didn't um, sit well with me. Um, you know, like I, I think, as I said at the start, like being from a small town, maybe that's something in my blood or I don't know how you'd put it, but I just know that I'm, I am and always will be a bit of a small town girl. So I think that's kind of good to know about yourself. I was really pleased that I tried out Auckland, you know, like otherwise how do you know what you like and don't, right? But um, at the same time, I was pretty keen to move back to Christchurch, especially after some of my um, good mates moved out of the flat. I suddenly felt a bit like, oh, this isn't so good anymore. Instead of, you know, like trying to push through it, why didn't I just move? I don't have to be here, you know. So I decided to move back down to Christchurch, and I've been here ever since, and I just love it here. Eh? I love this city. I suppose it's kind of um, home for me in a way. And, yeah, it's just kind of – broken and beautiful and full of all the things I need my good friends are here and as I said I've got a pretty cool job now and I feel really content here yeah mm, mm. and I think I mean you make an interesting point before when you were saying that you uh, your flatmates moved out and it's like that kind of the relationships getting out yep. of balance there again for um, you and uh, yeah. no, that was that, that's quite interesting mm. so what are you doing down in Christchurch at the moment so I've had um, a bit of a interesting start to the year. I um, sort of found myself without a job again at the start of the year and that sort of uneasy feeling. It's amazing how quickly I think you feel uneasy when you're unemployed, you know, like what other people think of you, like everyone else is at work all day, you're just lazing around, <laughs> not earning any money of your own. It's a, it really affects me. So I was having a bit of a blue time at the start of the year being like, oh, what should I do next, you know? Um and ended up, um, I applied for this job at a cafe in town, which ended up being a really cool hospitality job, like the best I've ever had. Really cool workmates, um, fun people to be around and a real sort of little community going on, lots of regulars and it was really cool. And the other thing I did was um, sent out a very sort of 
tentative email to the business called Neat Places, who was started up here in Christchurch, and they just um, yeah kind of promote and champion all cool places around New Zealand really. Who, um, if you're a cafe or a restaurant or shop or store or <clears throat> people just kind of doing things a bit differently, or maybe they use free range produce or organic stuff or locally grown or just kind of champion those um, <clears throat> small brands and businesses and people doing things, yeah, as I say, a bit differently. So I just sent out an email to them being like, hey, guys, love what you do. Just wondering by any chance if you'd have, you know, some sort of internship or anything going for me. I'm in Christchurch and would really love to be involved. <clears throat> and anyway, they got back to me pretty quickly. I think maybe even that day and was sort of like, yeah, hey, Rosie, looks good. Your blog looks cool. Like, do you want to come and meet us today? <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Okay, and I go, try my best to look cool for these cool people. <laughs> um, and they were just lovely. And right off the bat, um, they yeah were very welcoming to me and sort of said right in the very first meeting, yep, we'll have you on. Um, and have kind of said in a really nice way, you know, that's the best rash decision I've ever made. So that feels really nice to be, um, yeah, just kind of like, I don't know, it's that thing about like when you're feeling a bit lost and not sure where to go to next, just kind of like ask for help, you know, like. That's all it was, really. I was just literally being like, hey, can you guys help me out? I'm, I'm unemployed and I'm feeling like my creative side slipping and, man, can I work with you? And they were like, yeah, jump on board. So I kind of did an internship for them for a while, three months, and then they took me on as kind of like a contract writer. And now, yeah, I work for them as their social online social content editor. That's, that's what they call me. So, um, yeah, and I'm really proud to be there. Like, it's a really fun... Um, optimistic, <laughs> kind of really positive, um, positive place to work. Um, just been doing the e-newsletter for our Christmas party, you know, and I love all that stuff. Love writing and love being a bit quirky and a bit um, cheeky on online writing stuff. Um, so it's kind of ticking all those boxes for me, and uh, all just to come from one sort of little lonely tentative email feels pretty amazing. Yeah, it's amazing what can kind of come out of things if you ask people for help yeah. Uh, and yeah just just kind of throw that question out there and I've been like with the podcast I've been amazed with the response that I've got from people just saying hey do you want to yeah. do you want to sit down and have a chat well that's exactly your email hey to me hoping you could help me out I was like well, absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's good so to everyone listening ask someone for help today yeah, You'd yeah. Be amazed what you get back. Yeah, so true. So, for those of us aren't, that aren't familiar with the title, what does an online social content <laughs> editor actually do? Yeah, good question. It sounds real fancy, hey? Yeah. Uh, pretty much, I'm in charge of kind of just getting all their social media stuff up. Um, you know, we've got Facebooks and Twitters and Instagram, so. I'm in charge of kind of getting that up and rolling smoothly and making sure people are liking what they see. Um, and we've got a web page, web page, which is pretty cool. So just trying to um, get new content onto there. We're like, you know, um, keen to hear about any new places opening and um, neat people that are around. So it's mostly me putting stuff in the back end, you know, and like putting it up on the website and then letting that go live. Um, and at the same time, managing some photographers and writers and, just a whole lot of everything, really. I was kind of thrown in the deep end a bit, but I feel, yeah, like I'm kind of swimming now <laughs> rather than like uh, desperately doggy paddling at the other end. So, 
I hope that explains it a bit more. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, it sounds quite different from all the other stuff that you've uh, done in the lead up. Yeah, yeah, it's massively different. That's, um, I suppose, why it's felt so good because it's been so challenging, you know, like it's not hospitality, it's not gardening, and as you say, yeah, it's not making hotel beds. It's, it's really something that um, I feel the value in, and, yeah, it's been hugely new for me. Um, but I feel like I've got a, pre- a pretty cool set of skills now that I can – say to other people, you know, and put on my CV or that kind of stuff, like, hey, you know, I can do this kind of stuff and use these apps and <laughs> kind of do a pretty cool spreadsheet. So <laughs> there mm, you go. Mm. It's a great skill actually doing a good spreadsheet. Yeah. So you've obviously learned a lot from doing that. Why did the why did the guys decide to take you on? Do you know? <laughs> good question. If you um, didn't have the experience. No, true. I suppose when I first walked into that first interview in my email, I had sort of said, you know, I'm a bit of a writer. Here's my blog if you want to look at that. Here's my, what else did I send them? I think I even said, you know, here's my Facebook if you just want to have a talk, you know, that's fine. If you want to see what I'm like, that's totally cool. Um, so I guess they read that a bit. Um, but that's obviously a very different kind of writing. So I think it was just a real leap of faith for them. They just liked the look at me and what I was about and gave me um, – yeah, the chance to kind of impress them and also um, working for them, you know, unpaid for three months and then kind of as a writer, they really had the chance to see what I was capable of, I guess. It was a pretty cool way for them to play it because they also knew that I had my other cafe job. So, yeah, I've been kind of balancing these two things all year. And then just lately they sort of said, you know, we've got this um, promotion if you're keen to have it and we really want you to do it. Well, maybe I sort of said I'll do it. <laughs> it was a bit of like you got a promotion, hey? Well, I'll have that. Thanks very much. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think we just all get along really well. And I'm, you know, obviously still the newbie, so um, I don't want to take anything away from them as a team that have done really well getting it started up and stuff. But as I said, they've been super inclusive. And, yeah, just, I don't know. I think it really helps when you feel appreciated by people and told that quite often, hey? That makes mm. it just a much more enjoyable activity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So for people in New Zealand, they should go and kind of check out neat places as well yep. on the web and to kind of find cool things about this city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, they should indeed. Neat places. It's online and it's there's also an app as well, um, which is pretty cool. So it's got like a little map and if you're heading out to town and you're like, oh man, I've got to take grandma out for lunch, you know, and she's gluten-free or she only wants to go somewhere bread, <laughs> you could, um, you know, look that up quickly and see um where it's going to be a cool place to take her um and i'm actually just about to start a little south island road trip because we really want to know you know not just about the neat places and the big cities but also all the little pokey towns and what's going on there so i'm about to cruise back down to old timaru see what's happening there um and down sort of through geraldine and up back through mayfield and yeah and then a bit later down to wanaka and um clyde has apparently got some cool places believe it or not so there you go Oh, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. And is it only places to eat and drink, or are there other things that are neat as well? Yeah, no, lots of places. So any sort of shops, if you're doing like a cool kind of um, clothing shop or any sort of product, really, that's just a bit um, different and not kind of a big chain store. Um, and we also do sort of neat people. So that's a real fun part of it. That I that's where I started out, and that's just. Yeah, I don't know, kind of small people like you, Chris, really, who are just kind of like starting out on their own, you know, like haven't got any big people backing them, really. It's just kind of like, man, I've got an idea and I'm going to try to give that a go. 
So, um, and they're always super stoked to be involved because they kind of, um, maybe they've heard of us or it's just kind of free advertising for them really. Um, so everyone that I got involved with that was really thankful and, um, yeah, eager to be involved. So plenty of good stuff on the webpage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've had a look so, at the webpage and I would suggest that everyone goes and, and has a look at it. But basically it just kind of sounds like everybody helping each other out. Yeah, I suppose it is a bit like that and that's why I've enjoyed it so much. You know, as I said, it's such a positive kind of um job it's not like a review system where we go oh the muffin was terrible like blah 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 and the coffee was cold you know it's more like hey man like this is a real cool place and this is why it's cool and they've put in some hard work and yeah I suppose we don't bother with any negative stuff um yeah and as I say I like to be a bit quirky and a bit um tongue-in-cheek so it's fun I reckon just in general it's just really fun and awesome. plus I get free lunch sometimes when I get places <laughs> you know real tough I'll have to write about new job clean places and all that yeah, yeah, I'm always down with a free lunch. Actually, yeah, it, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> Rosie, um, a couple of times throughout our conversation, you've talked about your blog a little bit, and I was hoping that we could actually uh, kind of shift tack a little bit um, and and have a bit of a chat about it. So you call it Color and Bones. Yeah, that's right. That's how, my blog. Yeah, how did uh, how did that come about? Um, the blog or the title? <laughs> uh, start with the blog. Well, what came first, the blog or the title? <laughs> well, there's your question. I mean, how do you know the answer to that? Um, I was hoping so, you did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if I've figured that out yet. So I think I also remember, though, that exact moment the blog came about because where was I? I was in Dunedin at the time, so a good couple of years ago now, and... You know, I'd, as I said, I've always been a bit of a writer. I'm always, like, writing in notebooks and kind of scribbling down sentences that come into my head. And, and especially during my jewellery making, making, I wrote a lot as well. It kind of helped my overall creative process somehow, which is a bit odd. Sometimes I'd write something and then be able to create a piece of jewellery from that, if that makes sense. Um, so I was always kind of writing stuff down. And I think my friend had just started up a blog, actually, and I remember thinking, man, that's that's super brave, you know, like, I that's putting it out there like anyone could see that <laughs> like what are you thinking that's crazy um but then I remember talking to this guy on the street in Geneva and this guy I kind of knew I was oh what are you up to end of the year you know you're heading away for holidays whatever he's like oh, I'm just going to India man like I'm just bloody doing it and I remember just thinking like oh, that's just such a good attitude you know like just bloody doing it I thought like, that's so cool like you probably don't have enough money to go you could be doing lots of other things and I don't know just this moment standing on the street once he'd left I was like I'm just going to bloody do it. And from that moment, I came up with this poem about Dunedin, actually. And it was probably, that was the first one I ever put on there because I was just so, like, I don't know, kind of empowered by the place in that moment. I was like, I love Dunedin, you know. It's, like, really taught me something and I've really felt a lot of joy here. So I'm going to pump out this poem and then I'm going to put it on a blog and then I'm going to put that blog link on Facebook and see what happens. <laughs> so it all kind of just snuggled from there. Yeah. What, what happened when you put that link up? Was there a bit of kind of trepidation before you hit publish? Yeah, yeah, massively so. Because I think, you know, the internet's a pretty scary thing because you could get all sorts of nasty comments, you know, like you never know what people are going to say or if anyone will even read it. I suppose that was another scary thought. Like, man, maybe this is crap. And, like, I just think I'm a good writer and actually it's all real shitty. But I put it up and, you know, people were just, like, super lovely, like heaps of 
you know, Facebook likes and everyone thought it was great. And I think that's when I decided to keep going because it really pushed me as a writer to keep doing it. You know, like it's easy to sit at home and kind of put something in your notebook and maybe show it to one other person or no one at all. But as soon as you kind of get good feedback or I think it's the feeling that other people are, are feeling something from your writing. I don't know how to explain that, but the feeling that other people get it, it's like, man, I didn't realize my writing could like affect other people. I'm going to keep doing it because it feels good. You know, like if, if other people are getting some sort of buzz out of reading my words, then man, I better keep writing because mm. I guess it's, it's like a talent, you know, and, and it shouldn't just be hidden away. If you've got some cool talent, then you should let people see it. Kind of like, you know, if you're awesome at playing the piano, like play the piano, let people hear it because it's such a, a joyful thing to have a real cool talent and yeah anyway that's my little tangent on that mm. oh no no that that's cool um and i really like um i really like uh in, in your about section you say um how it's a pretty scary thing to put your creative side out on show um mm. but hopefully in, in doing that you're inspiring other people to be brave and kind of let their talents shine as well which is which is a really cool part of it as well yeah well funny you say that because that was put you know right on the very first day I made the blog and I've never changed it since and don't really look at it but now that you say that you know it's still that's still what it's about that hasn't changed really um I would like people to read that yeah and feel inspired themselves maybe they look at it and think that's crap but other times maybe people look at it and go, man, maybe I should write a poem or paint a picture or, you know, like go run a thousand miles because <laughs> that's my talent, you know. So uh, I have no idea if it's done that for people, but I'd like to think so. Or I'd like to think it's brought people some sort of, um, yeah, I don't know, some sort of feeling. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah, no, I'm sure that it, I'm sure that it has. And that you've had a fair bit of good feedback about it. Well, I think that's the lucky thing for me. Like it's, putting it on the internet you know like it could have got massive or it could have gone all over the world but actually for me it's just become a way for people I, ho I hold close to me really to be able to see what I'm writing you know there's not heaps of random people reading it it's just literally my family some of my family in Australia you know and some of the really cool people I met while I was traveling so I can see on the blog actually where in the world people are reading it you know so the other day I had people in Austria reading the post I put up and people in Colombia it's just like oh man that's cool like that's the power of the World Wide Web, right? You can write something in your house in Christchurch and your messy crafty little bedroom, put it on your computer, and then people in Blue and Austria are reading it. So it's, it would have been a totally different story because if people had been nasty or said it was crap or, you know, like that would have really damaged my um, confidence in writing. So I've been really lucky that um, people have been supportive, really, and really encouraging. Mm. I think that relates back to your point earlier that most people are good people yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that if there is any kind of more negative feedback that you get it's kind of given to you in a constructive manner yeah I'd saying, hope hey, so. why don't you try this instead yeah yeah and i think that's where my you know i've got a lot of um friends that are really great writers one's just finished her um masters of you know creative writing in wellington and yeah sometimes we send poems to each other sort of three of us and have ideas about how to make them better and that's really cool to hear as well because I kind of don't want to be living in a deluded world where I think I'm freaking awesome at writing and everyone loves my stuff you know it's more like man this is what's in my head I'm just going to put it down and then some of that I'm going to put on the internet and see if anyone else likes it. 
Mm, mm. I think it works the other way as well. That kind of you you don't want to think that you're rubbish at writing as well, and then no. actually you put it out there, and people are like, "Man, this is great." Yeah, yeah. That's funny, isn't it? I don't know if that's like a real Kiwi thing or not to be so super self detrimental, but um, that's going to be my resolution for next year to be less like that because I don't think that's great for anyone really like if you know you're pretty good at something and you go on and on and oh no I'm not that good at that oh I'm not a good writer you know it makes other people quite uncomfortable too you know do they feel like they have to build you back up or do they agree with you or <laughs> I don't think it's great for either party so yeah I think it's just like if you've got a talent um use it work on it improve it hear the feedback and if you don't just be like well no I'm not great at that you know like I'm happy to say that but mm, mm. I think everyone has a talent um but a lot of people just probably haven't discovered theirs just yet. So I think it's uh, if you're not good at something, go and explore something else and try it out and get yeah. creative at it. And uh, if it works, it works for you. And if not, there's always something else. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rosie, I want to ask you a few questions um, that we ask everybody on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Cool. Can you tell me about a time that you've failed and what you learnt from it? Oh, man, that's tricky because I was going to use my Mexico example, mm. but I... <laughs> Tricked you into the, telling yeah, that yeah. story early. Um, time that I failed. Well, I guess I'd, like, just in a very um, low-key example, um, in my cafe days pretty recently, or maybe a couple of months ago, um we had a bit of a big old failure at the um, at the counter when our FPOS machine stopped working. Um, and I was kind of a bit in charge of the cafe at that time. The other manager had kind of go, gone overseas and I was kind of the one that had been there the longest. And, um, yeah, we just had a huge line of kind of grumpy people, you know, and the machine wasn't working and the internet was down. And I ended up having a bit of a meltdown, really. I just like felt super stressed and overwhelmed and, I don't know, just one of those wobbly days. So I kind of had to go out the back and have a bit of a um, And I guess that did feel like a bit of a failure because when I look back on that now, I'm like, man, how ridiculous, Rosie. You know, like, it's not like anyone's dying. Literally, people just waiting like an extra 10 minutes for their coffee. It's not going to kill them. Um, and like, you know, why couldn't you hold it together a bit more? Like, because I think everybody wants to think they're this really strong, um, you know, like strong person that doesn't cry easily and, um, it's totally fine with whatever life throws at them, but for some reason that little thing really um, got me. And I can kind of laugh about it now, but at the time it was yeah pretty unpleasant. Um, just that feeling of people being annoyed with you, you know, and like kind of letting them down somehow, and feeling like I was the only one that was going to solve the issue, and you know, like eventually did, but it was not a happy day. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah, and I think sometimes we we all have those days from time to time when when something goes wrong and uh, it just all hits the fan um, yeah. and then you look back on it and you're like oh yeah, probably a... didn't need to react like that yeah. so true I know right and like I won't react like that again if that happens again I suppose that's a cool thing to know that okay so like that's happened now in life right I had that lesson and next time the evil stops working I'll know what to do and not cry about it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Rosie, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? Um, I suppose on the same sort of tact, and as I talked about a bit earlier, um, 
I actually not long ago quit that um, cafe job so I could do some more time for neat places. So I've kind of been balancing those two jobs all year. And then just a week ago, I um, stopped at the cafe and have been doing, yeah, like a few extra days for NP. But it feels slightly uncomfortable because, like, it's not full-time for them. And as I said earlier, you know, that feeling of being, like, having three days all of a sudden. Like, I kind of didn't have work today. I did a few things for them, but other than that, I've just been crafting and taking the dog for a walk. And I've been trying to, like, uh, listen to what feels uncomfortable about that, you know, like, because working, you know, five days a week is pretty full on, like early starts and late finishes and, you know, my brain is super buzzing and I knew I needed a rest from that somehow and probably most of us do. But as soon as you give yourself a rest, your your reaction's a bit like, well, especially for me, it's a bit like, oh, man, like you've been real lazy or you should, what do you, what do you think you deserve time off, you know? <laughs> like, um, And trying to just figure out what that is about myself and if anyone else has that. Um and not quite sure of the answer yet. So, uh, and just leaving the cafe as well, sorry, on that stream is, you know, there was a real cool wee place and it was kind of a wee community in the end, you know, I knew everyone that came in, they knew my name um, and just feeling like I won't be included in that anymore. I think it's that feeling, you know, even though I chose to leave, it's a bit like, oh man, like that was a real nice little group of people that I really cared about in the end really, weirdly, even though I just knew their first name and their coffee order and not much else about them. I um I really felt included in that little sphere of Christchurch. So uh, I suppose that's um a slightly uncomfortable thing that's happening for me at the moment, but not um not unbearable. I think I'll mm. feel got a pretty cool summer lined up, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah, no, it sounds it. Um I'm sure you get quite a few free lunches on your road trip. Yeah. So um, but I, I don't think that you're unique in terms of kind of the, that internal self deprecating voice that you were talking about before. You're like, Do I deserve this? Um, what should I be doing? Um I think I think we all have that to some extent and I I know I I definitely do at times. Um and I think I've just I handed my masters in a few weeks ago, um, and kind of almost straight afterwards, yeah. I was still I was still working, but I had all this extra time that I was like, I feel that I should be doing be something, cool. and I need to be productive with this. And if I was sitting on the couch watching TV or reading or going for a walk, I was like there's got to be a more productive use of my time with this and it's yeah it's taken a while to for my mindset to shift to actually Mm. just think it's okay to have some chill time yeah I don't need to be going yeah yeah I know I find that amazingly hard to like to overcome that um sort of harmful mindset too maybe it's because no one tells you to you can rest you know I don't know Mm. I know Mm. when you're uh, I go to a yoga class at the end, you know, they kind of get you to lie down and they're like, right, just lie there and just breathe. And it's like, oh my God, really? Can I, can I just lie down here and just do nothing for a while? Like that is glorious. Thank you very much. <laughs> so maybe it's some of that. I don't know. Mm, mm. Yeah. I think it's, it's probably a, a social construct that we've got that we feel that we need to just keep, keep going with things and keep doing things. Yeah. Um, but on to the next question anyway. A uh, bit of a segue from that one. What's yeah. the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do? 
Um, next uncomfortable thing, I think that for me will be um, going back to being a student. So the plan is that in February next year, I'm going to move up to Wellington, big capital city, and I'm going to go back to study. I'm going to um, Whiriraya, the Polytech out in Porirua, and I'm going to be learning, well, doing spending three years uh, learning how to be a paramedic, <laughs> doing a Bachelor of Health Science and majoring in paramedicine. So it feels exciting and the same again like kind of this feelings come up in me that for some reason I really want that knowledge you know maybe it's because I'm kind of from a bit of a medical family you know two doctors in the family and maybe that's kind of filtered down to me a bit but all of a sudden yeah I really want to try that out um but it feels a bit scary a because it's a new city I haven't lived in Wellington before and you know everyone says it's awesome and you'll love it and I think I will but you know, like I've really loved my Christchurch time and I suppose just that feeling of apprehension, I suppose, like new place, like how will I know how to get around and it's a bit bigger and you guys have still got high-rise buildings, <laughs> I don't know. It's just a feeling of newness, I suppose. It's just exactly as we talked about getting outside the comfort zone. So I know in the end it will be good for me, but I think it's okay to feel a bit, yeah, a bit nervous about it to start with. Mm. Um, and B, you know, being as my mum says, very often you'll be back to being a poor student, so that feeling of like, oh man, I've lived a pretty neat life this year, like, um, you know, earning good money and going to all these cool events and feeling like I can go to everything because I can afford it. And then, yeah, back to like living on pretty low wages and maybe eating baked beans again. <laughs> um, so I think that's a bit, um, I don't know how that will feel, you know, because it's hard to know until it happens, but hopefully that'll be okay. Um and yeah, I'm just hoping that I can do it, I suppose. That's the final feeling. It's like, man, like, that's a lot of new knowledge to take on. And will I enjoy it? And will I be any good? And will it be a waste of time and money? And blah, blah, blah. All those stupid thoughts that burrow into your head. But I'm just kind of trying to go at it with a positive mindset and be like, you can only try it, right? Mm, you know? mm. Yeah, yeah they're, they're not questions you can answer until you've actually had a go at it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Rosie, I've got a couple of questions left for you, um, but I just want to say thank you for your time to sitting, sit down and have a chat with me tonight. But also, I want you, uh, I want to thank you as well for being a bit of an example uh, to to me and to my listeners about kind of the the power of giving things a go and just kind of being curious and exploring um and just bloody well doing it <laughs> um it's been it's been really cool to to have a chat with you and have a listen to all these kind of opportune decisions that you you've made along the way and kind of uh how they've all worked out for you and with that said i'm pretty sure your uh, your decision to come up to Wellington next year um, and study paramedicine is going to work out for you as well. Thank you. Yeah, I hope so. Cool. No, that's very nice. Um, nice words. Thanks very much. Next question for you, Rosie, is real easy. If people want to find your blog, yeah, where do they go? They go to www.colorandbones.wordpress.com. Cool. And if people want to find neat places, where do they go? You're going to ask me this. And for some reason, I've quickly forgotten um, if it's .co.nz or .com. But if you just look up neat places in Google, that's going to be your top. <laughs> if my online content editing has gone to plan, it <laughs> should be your top. 
there. It's um, it's .co.nz dot 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 as well. I've just got it there. Uh, now, Rosie, the, the last question I usually ask people is if they have any advice or life lessons or interesting facts for, uh, oh, for to leave us with. But instead, I'm going to ask if you can read us something out that you've oh. written. Awesome. I was going to say, man, that's a big old last question to finish on. I don't know if there's a... Um, 25-year-old, I can do life yeah. advice. Well, I mean, I think I think probably reading your stuff, whatever you're going to read out uh, to us at the moment is going to give us a bit of advice and uh, a bit of a life lesson from you. Oh, cool. Awesome. Well, I've got um, a little poem here I can read out for you. Just uh, a slight bit of background. It's um, about my sister. So when I went to the UK just uh, last month, I was there for a couple of weeks. She's just had a baby in February. So that's the first baby in our family and it's pretty exciting and um, all good things about babies, you know, like um, really fun time for us. But just being with her and seeing, man, how hard motherhood is, is pretty nuts. It's a real lesson for me. Um, and just seeing how much time is just spent, literally mothers, new mothers just spend so much time in the darkness, like on the floor with their baby, just crooning to them, feeding them. Yeah, anyway, so I had this moment sort of watching her um, with her son, Zach, and just feeling like, holy crap, <laughs> this is crazy that so many people do this and they don't really talk about it or complain about it, you know, like they're getting zero hours sleep and they just do it. So this is for her. It's called Wings. A scene, the curve of your shoulder in the hallway glow, a ropey question mark to the little one, what wouldn't I do for you? A feeling, love for you. A stone in my throat, painfully swallowed, sits in my rock pool belly with all the other unspoken, juddering moments. A thought, deep night, all the mothers, sitting in murky darkness, legs tucked like commas, singing milk, silky love. Outside, the world sleeps on, only the late night taxi drivers, the kitchen appliances, still up, humming. Materials. A shawl, a sheepskin, a soft sentence on lips. From far away, the moon spies you too, winks one big slow white eye, spools a silver thread around your ankles, sits with you quietly. A family hovers, mushroom soft, the new one grows, patient and woody, we stand as a forest. The curve of your shoulder, wings on your back, you glow. I definitely <laughs> think that's a life lesson. Oh, really? There you go. Thanks awesome. For me. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. No worries at all. Thanks for having me, Chris. Well, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you all really enjoyed that conversation. I think with that, uh, Rosie is just that she personifies uh, being curious and, and giving things a go. Uh, and the amount of stories that she has, she could have kept talking for hours longer. Um, so it was great to grab a few out of her. Uh, I hope everyone's doing well. Thanks again very much for, for listening and taking the time out of your busy schedules to sit down and get uncomfortable with me and Rosie. As always, I just want to thank uh, my brother Jeremy Desmond for the fantastic uh, musical accompaniment to the podcast. Um, it wouldn't be what it is today without him. Hope you guys all enjoy the rest of your week and I'll catch up with you again next week. Just remember, if you like the episode, make sure to share it out with someone that you think might get value from it. Cheers.
Thank you.